It has been one year to the day since it was announced that 215 unmarked graves had been discovered at the site of a former residential school in Kamloops, British Columbia. As you know, that launched a whole new movement in this country, and it reinvigorated the conversation around reconciliation, and and it forced a lot of Canadians to reckon with a troubling and now undeniable past. Well, today's a good time to pause and reflect on where we've come since that day one year ago and where we still have to go. So to help us figure all that out, we're going to chat now with Keisha Supernaut, who's director of the Institute of Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology at the University of Alberta. Keisha, thanks so much for your time this morning. appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. You know, the the whole conversation around reconciliation really shifted uh, a year ago in a big way. I think uh, more than anything, any other incident in sort of, you know, grabbing headlines and jarring Canadians, um, it really did change the way we view this entire situation, didn't it? It really did. It had a big impact both nationally but also internationally in a way that we haven't really seen before, I don't think. Um, it, at, the way we view it then, was it... I think it was a first step, certainly for me. It, it changed my perception of the discussion around residential schools. And, um, and, and and the big takeaway for me was the fact that this wasn't new to so many Canadians. If you spoke to people in Indigenous communities, they've been talking about this for generations. This wasn't a surprise. They knew this. Uh, we just didn't listen at the time. Um, did, has that changed? Are, are, are people listening more now and, and, and have better recognition of, of what's always been known? I think this is probably the biggest shift that I've seen, which is that people are listening differently, and especially people who were shocked at those initial findings, and then the subsequent uh, release of information of work that had, in many cases, been going on for years. There's suddenly this awareness of, oh, wait a minute, this is a very serious part of this this history is not just about the survivors and the abuses that they face, but it's also about the children who did not survive and are not around to tell their their stories and, and their experiences in these uh, institutions. And this discovery in Kamloops was just the first uh, of many. There's been more since then, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, there's both been more since, but there's also Before. been information made pu- public um, and uh, brought to people's attention that had been, in some cases, ongoing for a decade. Uh, but for a variety of reasons, it wasn't getting the same kind of attention, or the nations weren't at a position where they were wanting to bring this to the public in the same way. Um, a question that I always get, and I've already got it twice on the text line, whenever we talk about this is, You keep calling them unmarked graves. We have no proof that they're unmarked graves. Why don't we know more? It's been a year. We're still calling it anomalies. Help me, help me come up with how I, I mean, I know that you must hear this question all the time as well. This is the work that you do. Um, What is the situation around anomalies, unmarked graves, and what we know about what is there? Yes, this is an important question. I think in the initial reporting of a lot of the the findings from Kamloops, there was a lot of misinformation that was reported. These are potential unmarked graves, meaning that we see uh, things in the ground penetrating radar that we use that look like graves in other contexts. So we say, okay, this is what a grave looks like in an own graveyard nearby, and this is very similar kinds of patterns that we see in the ground-penetrating radar. Uh, And I think one of the challenges is that there's a sense of, okay, well, we do this, why are we not just going in then and investigating and digging them up? Mm -hmm. It's not actually a simple process to do that, first of all. 
And it's also not an easy process for communities to engage in. Can you imagine if it were your, uh, you know, a child in your family from, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, and someone said, well, we want you to dig it up and show us the, the bones in order to make sure that that's an unmarked grave. That's an extremely painful thing to ask someone to do. Some nations are going to be going down that path. I think we will see that. But many nations just want to be able to mark commemorate and acknowledge the possible presence of those graves and to be able to do that healing for their community. So it's not something we can do overnight. It's not something that necessarily all communities are are walking down that particular path either. And, and ultimately, that's the choice that, you know, do you disturb them or do you, I mean, and that's the choice that those communities will make and, and that needs to be respected. Um, and then the other question is, just to clarify, and you, and you touched on it briefly, when you're talking about the quote-unquote anomalies and why we're calling them unmarked graves, because there's people who say, you don't even know what they are. It's, it's a pretty clear indication of what they are. And, and the other thing, and again, Keisha, that's important here, is it's just confirmation of what we already knew, right? Exactly. And in many cases, what we see is there's knowledge within the community saying there's graves here. Yeah. And I have been in many communities where there are places where there are generally known to be graves, but there's nothing to indicate that they're there. Now, it doesn't mean that there wasn't when they were first put in, but there's lots of reasons why things like wooden crosses or fences or other things get, you know, burned, get leveled in some cases. So it's, we're looking at patterns, first of all. So you find two, so it's actually 200 anomalies. It was corrected in Kamloops. And if you're looking for patterns as well, if you're seeing rows of anomalies that have the right size, shape, and depth, there's not that many other things that they likely are. And we can eliminate a whole bunch of other options, tree roots or metal pipes or rocks. We know what those look like in ground penetrating radar. This is not what we're seeing here. Um, the other question, and, um, and people saying, okay, well, even if they are, unmarked graves doesn't mean these kids were murdered all right but that's not the point either the fact of the matter is in many of these cases um the kids that are in these unmarked graves their families didn't even know that that's where they ended up or that they had died i mean that that's part of the process too right that that reclamation exactly and the there's a sense of like well if they weren't murdered then why why is it such a big deal but these children were forcibly taken from their families sometimes by the police and then they die at the school. Many parents were never notified, never given the opportunity to bring them home, and didn't even perhaps know where they were buried at any point. And many of these children, even if they died, say, of disease or neglect, it was from the conditions in the school. And we have archival records of people who visited these schools talking about the horrific sort of sanitation and lack of food. And, like, these children, you know... They may have died had they been in their home communities, but they were much more likely to die having gone to these, been forced to go to these schools, right? And this is what's horrific about the whole thing. Whether or not they die by violence or not, that is not the point. Um, Keisha, in the year since this announcement was made, one year now, um, have, have we... Have we gone far enough? Have we have we learned enough? I mean, have we lost momentum? Just how would you sum up the year that's passed since this announcement? I think this is a really important question. I think there has been a lot of important momentum that has been gained in that many more First Nations uh, communities are taking the lead to conduct investigations around residential school landscapes to try to find the unmarked graves. And they finally are having more resources uh, to do so with the commitment of funding uh, and an increased sort of um, focus on this as a, as a major challenge nationally. 
so I think there is momentum on that front. What I have seen, though, is especially in the past few months, is a significant rise in trying to downplay the impact of the, the news. And it's being framed as like, well, we don't actually know anything. It's like, well, we, there's a lot that is known. And um, framing, framing this as, well, none of this, we don't actually know anything about this, is really actually harmful um, because it is casting doubt on the knowledge and experiences of people who attended these schools or the knowledge passed down in their families. So I, I do worry that uh, we are losing a fair bit of um, some of the goodwill that was in place last year and some of the attention that was being placed on this. And people are like, well, was it really that bad? That is really worrying to me. It was. And let's not lose sight of how horrible these institutions were and how much harm they have done. And in many ways, intergenerationally continue to do in Indigenous communities. Maybe you can help me. And I'm asking you to put your, your yourself in the shoes of somebody else, but uh, you deal with this. Why is that initial response from so many people? And I'm seeing it now, Keisha, on the text line. People mm-hmm. just, like you say, casting doubt. Why are, why? What, what is the... What is the the need to react in terms of this isn't true, this can't be, you're making... Like, what is the benefit? I don't understand why. I mean, I think this is a very uh, interesting question, and I'll provide my, my perspective on this, and, and there are others certainly who've thought about this as well. I think the last year has, for some folks, fundamentally challenged their understanding of what it means to be Canadian. This idea that in this country, there was a genocide that was carried out over a number of decades that was deliberately designed to, you know, in the words, in the words of our founding prime minister, kill the Indian, save right. the man. Yeah. Right? This is literally part of the policy yeah. embedded into the nation of Canada. But many Canadians, it's really, there's a dissonance to that, what we call a cognitive dissonance. They cannot reconcile that with their idea of Canada as this multicultural, progressive, you know, country. And I think there's two ways you respond to that. One is you have to face that fact, and the other is you try to find ways to downplay it. Well, it can't have been that bad. It really wasn't, you know, it was good-intentioned, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But that is to sort of make yourself feel better, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. I I mean, it's just, I can't wrap my head around it. So where do we need to go from here, Keisha? We've talked a lot about it over the course of the past year, not nearly as much over the past six months as we did the first six months, though. I mean, that's just being honest. Where do we need to go in the next year? I think we need to uh, continue to support nations walk down this journey and listen carefully and closely. So when announcements are made, when uh, additional nations are coming forward with the results of their investigation, not just to scroll past, not just to be like, oh, just another one of these. Like It is an ongoing uh, issue. And for me, the reason that this is so important is if we want to build a better future mm-hmm. in this nation, then we need to understand that the, the legacy of these institutions and related ones still are happening today, and that all many of the issues that people associate with in Indigenous communities, you can directly draw a line to the harm done by these institutions. And that's all of our responsibility. And so I feel like we need to continue to pay attention and to listen and to support and to refute those who are trying to say, well, it really wasn't that bad. It was absolutely horrific. And we need to remember that um, as we continue forward. Keisha, great message. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's Keisha Supernot, who is director of the Institute of Prairie and Indigenous Archaeology at University of Alberta.